Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah. Hi, this is David Levy, and you're listening to my friends on the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to Draw Day at the 2024 Australian Open. We are now just a handful of days away from the opening Grand Slam of the tennis season. And we come to you, myself, Catherine Mitiger, David Law, Matt Roberts from Melbourne Park. Yes, that ambient sound you hear in the background is uh, the lovely trickle of the fountain, which I'm sort of having to hold myself back from from splashing around in we've got the uh, the announcer over there uh doing something involving kids short tennis we've got a big screen over Matt's shoulder showing qualifying which uh, is very much in full swing on all of the outside courts and we're in a very very good place thank you incidentally to our lovely friend dave for introducing the show today just adding dave to the good mood that you find us all in today these are big smiles on all our faces david yeah dave levy is a a very long time friend of all of us we've worked with him for many years too a great supporter and uh, frankly if he's on the show then i feel even warmer than i do sitting in this sun that i'm really not used to in january it's going to be another two and a half weeks of shows where we tread the line of hashtag gratitude for our good fortune in life to to find ourselves here in this wonderful place uh, talking about the sport that we also love so much and not being terribly, terribly smug and annoying. Yeah, always a tricky balance. You've already been unfollowed on Instagram by a friend. I have, yeah. Uh, David's been weighing up what he can and can't send back home. You know, these are the these are the life decisions we have to make. Yeah, it's our struggle is incredibly real, guys. But look, we we are absolutely thrilled to be here, not just because it's warm and sunny, but because we're pumped. We're pumped for the first Grand Slam in the year. We're pumped for the year. We're pumped for the draws, which were conducted about two hours ago. Um, and we're going to be getting into those in just a moment's time. But first, I want to tell you about our friends at On Location. 321, the, the premium, premium hospitality, hospitality and experience provider. We are proud to be sponsored by On Location, the premium hospitality and experience provider throughout the Australian Open 2024. And... I am here to tell you that for the first time in history, official Paris 2024 travel packages from On Location are available online, making it easy for you to enjoy the thrill of the Olympic Games and the wonder of Paris like never before. 
I personally always find it easy to enjoy the thrill of the Olympic Games, but I can only imagine how easy on location can make it for you. Your Olympic Games adventure comes with guaranteed tickets to the sports events of your choice and accommodation in Paris, plus world-class hospitality and options for custom tours and activities to immerse you in French culture, food, shopping and more. On Location's wide range of official travel packages has been created to suit every need, from shorter stays such as the Discover 2024 package to longer ones like the Explore 2024 package. Frankly, both of those sound great. Uh, I like to discover and I like to explore. They often go (laughs) hand in hand. All include guaranteed tickets to sports event categories A to D don't know what that means they're all great pretty sure all categories are great (laughs) and uh, they come with multiple possibilities for add-on services and elevated hospitality options so the thing to do is to go to tours4tennis.com forward slash podcast tours the number four tennis.com forward slash podcast and select olympic games hospitality to see what they have to offer packages can be purchased online or a dedicated on-location team member can contact you directly to create your perfect package. And, of course, the link to check them out and all the wonderful Olympics-y things that they have to offer is available in our show notes and in our newsletter. Now, the Australian Open 2024 draws. I think there is only one place to start, and that is where we started the draws, at the very top of the women's draw where we find name numbers one through four, three of them previous Australian Open champions. We have round one at the top of the draw, Igor Svantec to face Sophia Kennan and Daniel Collins to face Angelique Kerber with the winners of those two matches to meet in round two. Yeah. Well, I mean, my immediate reaction was just huge excitement because I, I want to see Igor Svantec probably above all other players tested. I just want to see her game, which is so overwhelming against the vast majority, up against the best of the rest. Uh, and, and the thing is, she, she can only play seven players in, in the t- course of the tournament I just want to see them be as explosive and as as interesting as possible on paper that's exactly what we've got there I mean Sophia Kenin winning this title here three years four years ago wasn't it um, is that right four years ago and uh, knowing what she's like at her best is 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 intriguing the second round Kerber when she won this title was so memorable and she's coming back now obviously uh, having had a, a baby and, and made a comeback at the United Cup and Daniel Collins we love watching Daniel Collins and then I have this slightly sinking feeling about all three of those players that they're so far away from those performances that I've just detailed Matt that I'd, I'm not that confident that they will end up being that good against Iga Svantec and she may end up just flattening them. But I think Collins against Kerber could be good. <laughs> yeah, name-wise, it's a fascinating section of the draw, as you've, as you've said. But based on current form, you would have to think that actually Svantec's a huge favourite against Kenin and then also against the winner of Collins-Kerber. Of course, Svantec and Kerber played at the United Cup. It was a very competitive first six or seven games or so. And then Svantec ran away with it. I think Kerber 
was kind of out of gas at that stage of the tournament. She'd played a lot of matches on, on her comeback. Um, I actually think that looking a bit beyond those first few names, like there are still tests, though, for Iga Świątek. I mean, her fourth round is possibly Alina Svitolina, who beat her at Wimbledon last year, and her quarterfinal is possibly Yelena Ostapenko, who beat her at the US Open last year. So her two most recent Grand Slam losses... She would, she would potentially have to play to get to the semi-finals here. So there are sort of those big name tests in the early rounds, even if, even if they're maybe not quite the tests on pay, on on the actual court that they that they perhaps should be based on their history. But then there is Svitolina and Ostapenko lurking there. So I still think it's still think it is a bit of a tough draw for Svitolina overall. I would say. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I'm keen to to big up the, the on-paper fun of Svantec against Kenin and Collins versus Kerber because cause it is fun on paper, but I, I do tend to agree. I just, I'm just i so seduced by how Svantec has been playing so far this season. It is very hard to see Kenin doing anything like what she did to Coco Golf in round one of Wimbledon. But who knows? First First rounds, nerves, all of that. We know Shantek is trying to implement some new things in her game. Um, yeah, it, it, look, I'm going to enjoy this period where we can big up that match because we might not spend too much time talking about it afterwards. Let's let's put it that way. In terms of Shantek's half of the draw, it's the same half as Elena Rabatkina. It is the same half as Jessica Pegula. They would be semi-final opponents for uh, for Shrontek. Pegula and Rabatkina are seeded to meet in in the second uh, quarter quarterfinal. Um, Shrontek's quarterfinal opponent on seeding would be Marketa von Drosheva. You've got uh, Victoria Azarenka lurking in there. You've got a Yelena Ostapenko yeah, I mean, lurking. I, like- Looking at that, the one. I would say that is a tough draw. I would also say Vondrosova. I don't know what sort of fitness she's in, but she's such a difficult player when she's it's, on. It's just match-up-wise, isn't it? The fact that Shontek's never beaten Ostapenko. Yeah, of course. 0-4. Like, but that's I, the one. At, at least when you look at that draw, you feel as though Shontek's likely to have four players, no matter what, who have done things in this sport. Won Grand Slams, reached Grand Slam finals. Marie Buskova or Linda Noskova, players that you feel have got game. And then, whether it's Vondrosheva, Azarenka, or Ostapenka, any one of those three in the fourth round is a really good matchup on paper. Mm. Interesting, at least, you know. Yeah, and and these technical changes that Shvontek's making, they are. Uh, I think they're aimed at specifically combating three players, and that's Sabalenka, Rabakina, and Ostapenko. Big hitters that take her time away. And I I want to see her face as many of those as possible, quite frankly. Um, Quarterfinals, aren't they? Because the fourth round, I've missed out Svitolina in my little mm. assessment there. I suppose Kudamatova as well, but yeah, Svitolina you'd Vondrosheva would be a would be her scheduled quarterfinal opponent or Ostapenko. Um, and then uh, it would be Pagula or Rabakina scheduled in uh, in the semi-finals. But in that second quarter, so the bottom of the top half, I always end up tying myself in knots in these draw shows. <laughs> Me too. Don't I? I always just look at Matt. Thanks for bearing with us, folks. <laughs> uh, in the bottom me. of the top half, you've got 
you've got, as I say, Pagula and Rabakina, but you've also got famously good draw who's not anymore, Jasmine Paolini. She's actually the 26th seed, David. Uh, you've got Dari Kazakina, who's still going in Adelaide this week, or Adelaide, as, as foreign <laughs> players seem to call it. Um, you've got a Zhang Chen Wen, which is, which is interesting. You've got Emma Raducanu, who's got Shelby Rogers in her opening round, which is fascinating because they're... Their two players kind of in exactly the same boat, aren't they? Haven't played a match. Well, I know Raducanu made a comeback in uh, in Auckland last week, but haven't played a Grand Slam match for for an awfully long time. Rogers hasn't played since Wimbledon of last year, I don't think. Sloane Stevens is in there. Um, what do we think of that second quarter? It's bloody great! <laughs> I, I, this, this that top half of the draw is fantastic. I think. I mean, I'm really, I really do want to see Rebecca and Pliskova. I think that's that's a, a really interesting slight battle of generations, really. God, yeah, she's got Pliskova round one. Yeah, I mean, it's a cracking first round, isn't it? And and I do want to see throughout the year. I'm going to keep a close eye on what Cheng Xinwen is doing all year. I think because what I saw from her at the tail end of last year and in the matches, the match you commentated on, Catherine, when she beat Vondrosova at the start of this year in the United Cup. I just feel like this is a player who's finally unlocking the potential that we kind of wondered whether she'd got or not in the last year or so. And I'm really, I really think it's coming. And, and just imagine if she would have a real run here. Yeah, I watched a lot of her at the United Cup. As you say, I commentated on a couple of her matches, which really makes you concentrate, doesn't it? You're literally watching every single shot they're playing, not even fiddling around on, on your phone at the same time, which is quite an alien experience for me um and I was I had two separate impressions one was bloody hell she's good and the other was just a little bit worried at her lack of plan b she's still extremely young I think it'll come I think she's in safe hands I like her attitude the first time I saw her actually in Perth was at breakfast in the hotel and I was like whoa she's a physical specimen up close she is incredibly impressive I was standing next to her at the the avocado bar sort of cowering (laughs) Um, but and and when she's on when she's able to be in control of a match she's sublime she is as good a hitter as anyone she's a she's a good mover for her size you know scurrying about is never going to be her her mo but she's not a bad mover kind of Rebecca style in in that respect but when things aren't going her way, she isn't a problem solver at the moment. She kind of just lets things go off the rails and hopes that her game will come back, um, which is just a, a bit of a worry for me. I do think I think she could go on a run here with a win behind her, but I don't think she's quite ready to reach a final or or win the thing yet. But could be wrong could be wrong the raw materials are there and they're they're incredibly impressive and it would be good fun to see it would and and it's an interesting section for her isn't it i mean castea just like always worries me as a as a, as a potential opponent for someone like castea can peak and take you out um i think jessica pagula is an interesting proposition at the start of this season she's not quite been at her best i would say yeah i mean obviously she lost to katie bolter at the United Cup. Um, she lost a set yesterday, didn't she, to Bernarda Perra. 
you know, she's not coming into this slam with the form that she's maybe come into some other slams, Pagula. Not really Jessica Pagula thinks those, are they? Those sort of results. Exactly. Score lines. She's usually so reliable. Um, so I'm interested by, by her. I think I think Zhang Xinwei and Jessica Pagula would be a fascinating fourth round. Um, but I really like this draw for Rabakina. I think that's... Uh, a great draw for her. She's got, you know, Pliskova's another hitter. I just think a back for Bakkener in that sort of matchup. Um, and I, I want to see Sviantek Rabakkener. That's that's probably the women's match I most want to see at this tournament. I feel like, as you said, Sviantek's made some changes to try and combat those big, flat strokes of someone like Rabakkener who can rush her. We, we saw it a couple of times, didn't we, at the start of last season. Rebecca kind of crushed Fiontech here, here wasn't it? Yeah. and at Indian Wells. And then we saw it on, on the clay, and, it, and it, it was a retirement, wasn't it? We never quite sort of fully saw that match through. So I feel like we're owed a good Fiontech Rebecca. Uh, so I really want to see that. And, uh, you know, them landing in the same half perhaps make that a little bit more likely. So I was, I was quite happy with how this, this draw came out. Uh, I, I think she's playing well enough that this likely won't end up being any kind of factor at all. But I do find it a bit curious that Rebecca is playing Adelaide this week. Yeah, I yeah. do too. Maybe, I mean, she 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 lo- missed a lot of tennis last year, or, and she played a lot of tennis kind of under under underpowered because of COVID. She was saying she she had a couple, couple of bouts mm. of COVID, and and we we kind of. We didn't know the exact reason, but we could see that there was a real problem for her throughout the year. She just looked like somebody who didn't have a full charge of batteries the whole time, so that all adds up. I wonder whether now she's sort of fully fit, she's just trying to get as many reps in as possible. Yeah, but I do think it's slightly curious. I guess she entered both not knowing how she'd perform in Brisbane, thinking, well, if I only get a couple of matches there, I'd like to get a couple more, but players do that all the time and what happens is you do well in the first one and you pull out of the second one and that's just it's it's tough for those events that fall the week before slams but it is kind of just part of the deal and I don't know as I say I think she's playing so well and has enough in in the tank from not loads of tennis at, in the end at the end of last season that it'll be okay but just bookmark it as something, something that's raised an eyebrow. It, it, it was. It does make you like. Who else is doing that? When yeah. you look around at the top players, and she's a proper top player. Nobody else is doing that. Looking at the bottom half, then of the women's draw, we've obviously got Sabalenka, the second seed, defending champion, at the bottom. Her scheduled uh, according to seeding quarter-final opponent would be Ons Jabeur. You've also got Ludmila Samsonova, Donna Vekic in there, uh, Ekaterina Alexandrova, um, Barbora Krejcikova, if she bears a mention uh, just at the moment. Not sure. I think this is a fantastic draw for Irina Sabalenka. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I think she's a big, big winner out of this draw. Um, a lot of fun first round matches in, in, in this section like Townsend Balossa I'm very intrigued by Vekic Pavlyuchenkova Samsonova Anisimova but I don't really see any of these as like major threats to Sabalenka if Sabalenka's playing well I think I think she's come out of this well Sabalenka first time for Sabalenka defending a Grand Slam title I mean I, I, I guess we might 
have more of a picture after tomorrow, which is media day, when we'll get a chance to speak to her. But what is our sense about how she will handle that? It, it really could go completely different ways. It could totally raise her level. It could make her feel more legitimised than ever before as a champion and to come out and to underline that champion status, to believe in herself more than ever. I have, I have a slight feeling it might do the opposite, that it might stress her out, mm. that she's so desperate to, to, to back it up, that she might... I, th- I feel like when it's all flowing and she's not holding the racket too tightly, she's an awesome player. We know how, how awesome she can be. But she can also miss... When she's when she's tight, and uh, I mean, look, her draw is great. A couple of qualifiers, maybe, uh, or Anna Bogdan in the second round. These are good players, but these are players without much that are going to hurt her. With uh, look, I don't know who the qualifiers are going to be yet, but on paper, that's that's a decent draw. Um, looking at people who might hurt her, there's nobody really obvious to me in that in that quarter of the draw is there anybody that strikes you that you think you're thinking i want to see sabalenka against such and such there's a couple that i could imagine for example this is a big if but let's say taylor townsend got through to i think it would be a third round meeting or a fourth round, fourth round. let's say taylor townsend got through to a fourth round meeting with sabalenka which is is a is a big if i i totally accept that but if she gets there, she's in good form, she's confident. I can imagine Sabalenka not enjoying that yeah, at true. all. If that, if that was like a second round, mm. yeah. I, I I would Yeah, I would be concerned concerned for Sabalenka because of the match type. Um, or or a first round. I mean that could even be a first round, couldn't it? But I think the the, the big question mark is does Townsend get there because but us is not bad, but the winner of Pavlichenkova and Vekic, I think, is probably the favourite against her, is, is, my, yeah. is my expectation. Tough, tough draw for Donna Vekic, that, isn't it? It, it is, yeah. Defending quarter-final points. Yeah. 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 Pavlichenkova, Pavlichenkova well. probably Serenko in the second round. Um, no, sorry, it, it goes up, doesn't it? Um, probably the winner of Townsend, Badosa, in, uh, in the second round. Yeah, I, I think with Sabalenka... I actually think, not that she needs a good draw, but, you know, pending who those qualifiers are, um, she could do with a couple of real statement wins in the opening rounds. Because I do just think have that chastening loss to Rabakina is must be a bit of a confidence denter for her. Uh, you know, I, I think she could do with feeling a bit puffed up. 6-3-6 love, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, that is a total tonking. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's uh, on, just quickly on Ange Jabeur mm. in that bottom half, bottom quarter. We're not talking about her, are we? Should we be succeed? Diffi- difficult to know, really, with her, isn't it? I mean, I, I would love to see her against Mira Andreva in the second yes, round. Please. You know, that is a really fascinating match, isn't it? Andreva, who says she loves Ange Jabeur yeah. and thinks she plays like yeah. her even though none of us even can see she absolutely her, but. doesn't yeah. <laughs> but I would love to see the match up mm. and, and I actually think that stylistically it would be a, be- a beautiful match to watch um, uh, I've only just started watching the documentary about her and we'll, we'll, we'll try and cover it in, the, in, a, in a show we're going to do about the documentaries but the, the scene they show early on in that where 
she loses here, I think, second round, and she, she goes off the court and she has a medical issue that makes her coach think she's about to die. You know, and it's, it's really shocking um, what, what happened to her. There was real concern there. And uh, so I wonder whether, I wonder how she'll feel coming back a year on. I hope she's in good health now and, um, and hope she just has, a, has an opportunity to play at 100% again, you know, it feels like a long time, feels like she's had it at Wimbledon, and okay, the the experiences in the final, this last one was, was a tough one for her, but I don't feel like the Australian Open has got to see her at her best yet, and I really want to see that. Do you know who else I think this is a good draw for? Looking at the third quarter now, the top of the bottom half, I think this is a good draw for Naomi Osaka. Discuss. She's got Caroline Garcia. Yep. So Garcia ran one, but obviously as an unseeded player, she was going to have to face a seed in either the first or the second round. We watched Garcia, Matt and I, lose last night. Who do we watch her lose to? Ostapenko. Ostapenko. Which, okay, to be fair, anyone can lose to Ostapenko. But it was it was not a confident Garcia, I didn't think. I know she, she played pretty well in the United Cup, didn't she? But... I found her unconvincing against Ostapenko. Uh, yeah, it's, it's look, so hard to say I with know. Caroline Garcia. Like, I know, but okay. more often than not, I would say this is a good draw because more often than not, Garcia doesn't mm. peak. And I think Garcia is looking at that draw, going, "Oh God." Yeah, probably. I mean, Garcia did play well against Fiontech in the United Cup she, and, and actually she's the only player to take a set off Svantec in no, ages nothing to lose against Svantec though agreed and I, I but it's just look there are there's, there's one or two little concerns about Osaka you know I, I don't think it's big concerns the fact that she's pulled out of these exhibition events I don't I think it's uh, I don't think she's injured but you know she she played two good matches but two sort of slightly incomplete matches I suppose you know she didn't quite have her best tennis the whole time and you know Garcia is is another step up from that but if, if, if she wins it it's you know it sort of becomes a really good draw doesn't it because you then take Garcia's seeding you then got a potential sensation situation in the second round with <laughs> Daria Saville but other than that I, I do think it sort of then becomes becomes okay yeah it's like Garcia is just like top of my list of I don't know. Yeah, I know, I know. But look, the the top seeds in this quarter draws. are Coco Goff, who, yep, she won the most recent Slam. She is a contender here for sure. But of those top four seeds, I think she's the one you'd most like to fall in the same section as. And Maria Sakkari, number eight seed, who again, all due respect, and I guess the pressure is so off her after a, a pretty horrible. 2023 that sounds like the sort of situation where Maria Sakkari could produce her absolute best I realise that but I think of all the quarters in terms of the biggest names in this quarter mm. it, it might be might be the kindest one but you do have Leila Fernandez in oh, there can, can I give you a wish list yeah. an early wish list mm. please I would like to see Leila Fernandez against Coco Goff in round three yes, winner please. to face Osaka I oh. like where your head. There's at. my wish list for, oh. the, for the Australian Open. And, and and in the section above that, David, you've got Hadad Meyer. Yeah, 
I do love Hedetschmeyer as a, as a person. She, I think she's I wonderful. I think that's a good section she, for her. She's not had a very good start She hasn't. You. But uh, look, Linda Fravitova opening round is tough. Wozniacki is in this section. But I think she could be eyeing fourth round here. Should be eyeing fourth round here. David looks totally unconvinced. You're supposed to be our Hadajmaya guy, no, I, David. Actually, I, 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 I got to should be eyeing the court. I've yeah. got to say, I agree with you. I think Hadajmaya should be in the fourth round. Looking at that draw, I just, I, I would, I, I feel like she's a player who usually just keeps on delivering. And the fact that she's started the year badly, I don't, I, I, I that would concern me for her because I think she's a rhythm player who needs to get into a groove. And like when she, when she won that uh, Zuhai title at the end of last year, you, you, know, you could see it coming. In. I know I, I, I predicted it, but it was it didn't take a genius to do that. You could tell she was in good nick. Right now, I don't feel that. So she's got Fravetta in the first round, and she then wants maybe to get a lot of tennis balls. Three of us Torma in the second yeah, round. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I think we'll know a lot more after, if she gets through those two mm. and looks decent. I, it would be really interesting to see her against Wozniacki, frankly, in round three. Hello, tennis podcast listeners. David here. You may know that I'm into my cooking, and I particularly like it when Catherine and Matt come to Solihull for meetings so that I can, you know, show off with my culinary talent. However, even I can do with a bit of help sometimes, and being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is pretty appealing to me. And Home Chef's meals, well, they're effortless. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. It's economical too. Home Chef customers save on average $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com forward slash tennis. That's homechef.com forward slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com forward slash tennis and you must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. On to the men's draw, we go. Uh, Matt and I had a little conversation last night while we were waiting for David's plane to land. We were we were tracking him minute by minute, um, and the conversation was Djokovic, Alcaraz, Sinner. What configuration draw wise do you want to have? Where do you want Yannick Sinner? Whose half do you want Yannick Sinner to fall in? And Matt and I both decided we would like him to fall in Djokovic's half and it really is going to be our year because that's what's happened <laughs> thank you very much why, tennis can I ask dogs. why you both wanted Sinner in Djokovic's half when you consider what a great rivalry Sinner and Alcaraz have had so mm. far for me it's the fact that I want to know what the Davis Cup meant you know, I want to know what the ATP Finals last season meant. You know, when, when Yannick Sinner got those wins over Novak Djokovic, where there was a considerable step up in his level of performance. Like, he was incredible in both of those matches, saving three straight match points at the Davis Cup, of course, doing to Djokovic something we've not seen someone do before. But there was always that question of, OK, but I need to see it in a slam. And I just... I want, I want that data. I want to know whether Yannick Sinner can bring his best and push Novak Djokovic truly 
on Novak Djokovic's favourite court in the world. In a night match? Yeah. In the semi-finals? Yeah. Like, then, then we will have learnt so much about Yannick Sinner. That's why I want it, personally, because I just think it would be fascinating. And look, it might be, might be a disappointment. Djokovic might yeah. beat him in, in straight sets, but then at least we know. And yeah. I don't think it would be. I, I, would, I would have high hopes for that. Yannick Sinner is a really funny one for me and proof of just how much recency bias, I don't want to speak for all of us, but how much recency bias I am guilty of in tennis because the last time we were talking about a, a major live tennis event, it was the Davis Cup finals and the ATP finals, right? Where Yannick Sinner was the main man. Okay, he didn't win the ATP finals, but, you know, on aggregate over those two events, the main man. But he hasn't played a warm-up tournament in Australia or leading up to the Australian Open. I haven't seen any arrivals clips of him. Matt and I watched a couple of episodes of of Breakpoint last night and he wasn't even mentioned in the episode about young up-and-comers because he's not, you know, he's either not been asked or not agreed to be part of that show. So, like, obviously... He is a major factor here, but I do keep forgetting he exists. <laughs> He's just not at the front of my mind. Out of sight, somehow. out of mind yeah. situation. Like, it, it, even just the social media thing, like Tennis Australia, this event, the whole Australian Tennis Summer, they're ha- so hot on social media, aren't they? I feel like I've seen every top player walking through the airport with all their bags arriving on this soil. I, haven't, I don't even know where Yannick Sinner is in the world. Is he in Australia? Has he <laughs> uh, practised yet? What is he doing? Does he have I, a new haircut? I, I, well, the Karatsa boys won't be happy if he's <laughs> had a bloody shaved head, will they? Um, but listen, what I find simultaneously interesting is, is that I feel like what he has done has convinced you, really, that, that he, he's got more to him than maybe you realised over the last few months. Um and I think once the tournament gets going, what I'm expecting him to do is be ruthlessly efficient in a way that we don't necessarily see from him on the pa- in the past. I think that that's often a tell on a player when they're going to another level is that they just start dispatching people. I mean, I actually think that uh, Botic van der Zanskorp in the first round is, is, is a tough match in, the, in that he's a good ball striker and, and he won't mind Sinner's ball generally but I expect in the form that they're in Sinner, Sinner should be just wiping him off the court in three straight sets or you know there might be close sets but he should be dispatching him without any, without losing any sets and and I just feel like when she gets past that the first two or three rounds should be should be fine for him um, and look he should be up against Djokovic in that semi-final on paper it's a good draw for Djokovic isn't it yeah, 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 I think so. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I those, isn't I mean, any it's, draw a good draw? It's pretty draw hard for him? To, to plot a difficult draw for him. Um, again, he, he's got a potential sensation situation in the second round. Uh, a popper in, an inspired popper in. I, I don't think he's beating Djokovic, but be it could be fun. I'd love to see popper in playing his very best tennis 
in front of Aussies against Djokovic just to see yeah. what see I, what would happen. I don't know whether Djokovic would allow him to play his best yeah, tennis. You know, returns on his toes, Djokovic that kind of thing. Absolutely not interested in sensations. No, <laughs> not his at all. business is making them look thoroughly unsensational. Remember what he did to Divinor yeah. last year? Poor Divinor. Oh, I mean, horrible. Obviously, obviously, Djokovic Murray is is jumping out as a potential round three. Just, We've got to just for old Murray time's sake. First. Does anybody None of us here might not survive that? No. Does anybody here think that Djokovic against Murray happens at this tournament? Oh, David, I'm unable to be rational about such questions. I think I think it will. That requires Murray to beat Thomas Martin well, Echeverry. Djokovic is getting there. And yeah, Djokovic e- either, sure Mon- is getting there. either Monfils or Hanfman. I That's think Murray so he, can do that. I think if he beats Echeverry, yeah. he beats Monfils or Hanfman. I don't think he beats Echeverry. It's, it's tough. I'm sorry to it say. I, haven't, I don't know what Echeverry's been doing recently. Well, he lost to Thomas Mahatch the other day. I'm big on Thomas Mahatch. Anybody can lose to Thomas Mahatch. Stop talking about Thomas Mahatch. Novak Djokovic could lose to Thomas Mahatch if Mahatch decided to turn it on. That's a joke, Djokovic fans. I mean, the problem for Murray is that even if he gets through Thomas Martin Echeverry, he's likely expended five hours. Well, look, we've all likely expended five hours, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then we don't then have to play We have to do a podcast the next day. He gets the next day off. <laughs> We're daily, mate. Murray, I remember last year, Murray was on site after beating Kokonakis before we were. Was he? Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a real moment of... Oh, okay. <laughs> we better stop what am complaining. I worrying about? <laughs> uh, we, we're going to get Ben Shelton against Novak Djokovic, yeah. aren't we, in round four? Are we? Yeah. Hope so. I hope well, who, so. who, who else do you, who is going to stop him? Shelton? Um, well, there's an, there's an ad for you in Manorino. Yeah. I back Shelton. I do. I, I think back I back Shelton, Shelton, but as I wouldn't well. be like totally surprised if he I'm didn't just, get there. Right. Again, don't want to be a party pooper here. I don't love that Shelton's playing this week. He's See, in I, I'm all right with it. Are you? Um, because because he lost first round last week, uh, admittedly against Roman Safulin, who's a seriously dangerous mm. player. Yeah. And a lot of people will be glad if he's nowhere near them. But I feel like Shelton, for a start, he's so young and he's got so much energy and he's ready to rumble all the time. Is it that or is it appearance fee though? Well, I'm sure there's there's it's if if he is getting one, I'm sure that's would be part of it. But I just feel like he wants to get going he needs a couple of yeah. wins now before before he turns up in the first round of a best of he's got energy to burn I mean yes I suppose you might be putting stress on body parts that break down who knows I just feel like if he were to have a good run this week and come in off that he could just bulldoze his way through it, the first round or two it's really here. tough for players that, especially with a Sunday start now it's really True. tough for players that have a good run the week week before I yeah. know he's young and exuberant but I just I'm alright with it, it. it depends, at his it age whether we're talking about him as a potential sort of semi-final title contender really doesn't it because I don't think those people do that but if, if we're talking about he's not in that a disruptor that he's that he's a continuation of what he's been up to now then yeah it's probably fine Rebecca to me is the question mark but actually in those two particular cases I do get it and and I feel like as long as they don't get injured I don't think it hurts them I think it helps them it's such an interesting case Shelton like I can't really think of another example where he's had 
like two massive breakout results at the Slam. So we, you know, we are thinking of him in those terms of going deep in, in the second week of Slams. He did it at both of the hard court Slams last year. But other than the sort of little results he had post US Open, he did nothing else on the tour. Like he, he needs, he, like points wise, he's got so much that he can potentially gain from a week like Auckland. He won a title. Yeah, but after the US Open, oh. I'm saying like all that that whole period. Right. But it, but it was. We've heard sort of Brian Shelton explain that to us, haven't we? That was sort of Ben Shelton seeing the world and exactly sort but of so learning he's got, about but being he's got on so tour. Much to, he's got so much to gain in these tour events over the next mm. eight months, and he's got a lot to lose from the slams, including mm. experience. All of his points are slam yeah. points, basically. That's an yeah, in, yeah, interesting spot to be in. Like yeah. But if, if he went and won, I don't know what, 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 what stage he's at in this tournament at the moment, but if he were to go and race through this tournament and win it, that would put a bit of fear into the locker room again, mm-hmm. I think, because it's not just a big serve, it's results. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, only time will tell, absolutely. Um, Stefanos Sitsipas is in that uh, top quarter. He faces Matteo Berrettini in the opening round, which sort of would have been great a few years ago but they wouldn't have been meeting in the opening round a few years ago so one of those um that got the biggest gasp i think at did the, that got it, the ooh la la yeah, yeah generally it was a pretty gasp free zone in that room yeah it was um i mean there were there were plenty of interesting round one matches as we've been through especially in the women's draw but i don't know just it wasn't it wasn't the crowd i don't think for gasps really was it no uh, Actually, by the way, the chap next to me, uh, when the draw was being made, saw Berrettini come out when Sinner was already there, two spaces below him, and he thought it was Berrettini <laughs> Sinner first round, and then and he goes, oh, phew, and then suddenly Sitsipas <laughs> comes out against Berrettini, and he goes, oh. um, the seeded uh, opponent, the, the opponent on on seeding in the fourth round for Yannick Sinner would be Karen Hashinov. Absolutely no idea uh, what to predict for him other than that every time we say that he sort of goes and makes the quarters or the semis, doesn't he? That's, that's tough against Altmaier. That's his thing. Round. Yeah, that is tough. Uh, Dumanor is in this second quarter. He would be a fourth round opponent for Andrei Rublev. Do we think he is getting there? Matt, I'm looking at you. You're asking me if he's going to beat Nicholas Jarry in the third yeah. round. <laughs> uh, yes, I think Dimonor will get there. I'd like to see Dimonor Rublev. I think I think I'd, that'd be a good time. I think. Um, yes, I think he'll get there, and then if he does, Sinner loves playing Dimonor. Yes, like Ooh. that would be a great quarterfinal for Sinner, Dimonor. I mean that matchup. He just absolutely dominates. Davis Cup final scar tissue. Yeah. Uh, turning our attention to the bottom half of the men's draw. Obviously, second seed Carlos Alcaraz is at the very bottom. Tough draw for him, I think. I thought that too. Uh, because every match could be a bit of a hassle. <laughs> um, and and I, I don't know, I, I still don't think Alcaraz has quite figured out how to, to do what I've just said Sinner needs to start doing, which is just rampaging through draws uneventfully early on. And Richard Gasca, I don't think he's a, ba- he's a bad 
watch out, to be honest. I think Gasquet is finally just tailing away now. He can't really keep up with these guys, so I think that's not bad. But either Evans or Sonigo could end up being a bit of a showtime match, which, whilst I would very much expect Alcaraz to win, and it would be fun, I'm not sure it's the greatest thing for Alcaraz to just be getting distracted into all these types of uh, of things. And then, and then you may have... Uh, Alexander Bublik in round three. I mean, that, that's that's a tough series. When I put this to Catherine earlier on, you you just said, yeah, but if Alcaraz plays his best, he just beats them all, doesn't he? All these people that are in that tough draw. And, and that is the truth. If you think about it, if he plays properly, it'd be very surprising if he doesn't end up against Alexander Zverev in the quarterfinals. Well, Tommy Paul always plays well against Alcaraz. Mm. And that's a potential fourth round. To yeah. me, that is... That's the, that would be the first match I'd be worried about Alcaraz in. I think, I think he beats Gasquet handily. I think yeah, Evan Sonigo becomes a shot-making match and Alcaraz wins. Same with Bublik. But Paul has beaten Alcaraz and obviously likes the conditions here, reached the semis last year. I'd be a bit worried about that. Alcaraz but I still think look, I'm probably going to end up putting him in the final do we worry <laughs> about Zverev for Alcaraz I think there's reason to I mean because I think Zverev's probably in the form of his life right now um, and uh, he really should be in the quarterfinals looking at what I think is a very good draw is, for Zverev there is, is, is Zverev in the form of his he life? He lost to Alex de Menor. Lost to Alex de Menor. Just, Just won the United Cup. over the Cup. line against Hercatch. I think he's in really good form. He's in good form. I don't know if he's in the form of his life. US Open final, that semi-final he played at the French Open against Nadal was yeah. like quality. I don't know. I'm still not, I still don't feel like I've seen Zverev have really big wins since his comeback. No. Well, I, I still feel that when he comes up against Djokovic, Alcaraz, yeah. Medvedev at their best, he loses. Yeah. He loses every time. Doesn't really matter what he does at a grand slam, if they play their best, he loses. And I and I would he, he beat Sinner at the US Open, but mm. I think if you put that match in normal conditions, I would back Sinner. Yeah. Uh, looking at the third quarter now, the top of the bottom half for those people that like to be confused. Uh, we have 8th seed Holger Rinner in there. We have 3rd seed Daniel Medvedev in there. We have Hubert Hurkacz in there. I would, for the for the moment, like to ignore all of those and draw your attention to 13th seed Grigor Dimitrov. Well, you never know, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Martin Fucevic, round one. Uh, fourth round opponent according to seeding would be Daniel Medvedev quarter final opponent would be Holger Runner are those two matches happening and is he winning them I'm expecting the first one to happen I expect that Dimitrov will face Medvedev I would expect Medvedev to win so that semi-final run isn't happening here then is that what I said would happen this year didn't you say he would equal his best slam performance that sounds about right so the thing is David if it's not happening here and I I feel the same as you about this but if it's not happening here when he's in this form where's it happening because 
these players are always going to be there. You know, yeah. barring some sort of nuclear event in the <laughs> tennis world. I might change my mind as the week goes on. <laughs> <laughs> Grass? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but look, he's, he's, he's done well to avoid... But, you know, he's could end up in the same section as Djokovic somewhere else. Yeah, like, there's sure. always going to be something and someone... He but, needs but to think, beat these players to get to a quarter in a semi. There's an unknown with Medvedev, isn't there? Look, we haven't seen him. He's he's been like Alcaraz. Yeah, I do like, know he's in the country. <laughs> like Alcaraz, like Sinner, he's chosen not not to play a warm up event. Well, what do you think about that generally? I mean, that, there's the there's the uh, the the other extreme is is we talk about Shelton and Rebecca playing the week before. These guys literally not playing a competitive tour match. They're playing exhibitions, and there are quite a lot of them. They're getting reps in in that way. Do you feel it makes any difference, positively or negatively? Do you think it depends on the player? How do you feel generally about the fact that Sinner, Medvedev, and Alcaraz just haven't played a match competitively coming into this tournament? Makes me edgy on their behalf. It surprises me. I think Djokovic can do it. Yeah, Djokovic. It does. I don't think anything of it at all. Um, It surprised me when I saw that that's what they were doing and they're obviously relying on being able to work their way into a tournament but it's taking a risk for sure mm. and, and I think I think it, I think part of the decision was trying to get a longer off season you know they, they were all they were all in Europe for a much longer time obviously it wasn't like they came over really early and just didn't play they actually stayed in, in Europe for a long time. And, I mean, there could be some sort of bonus payoff for that down the line. You know, a bit more time working on your game, just a bit more time off. We're always talking about players not having time off. But I mean, I know Alcaraz played an exhibition. Yeah, Medvedev's played exhibitions. I, I don't know about Sinner, but I, I agree with you about time off. I'm all for tennis players, the tennis season, having more time off. But... Basically, the trade-off here is Australian Open lead-up events for exhibitions in order to preserve the time off. And I don't, I don't love that. I mean, it is just a fact of tennis. But what do we think? I would feel that they should be playing one competitive tournament before this. I do. Uh, and I don't. I'd be surprised if it makes any difference to Medvedev because he's just so experienced. Um, although you know he hasn't always done that well here. Sometimes he's done well. I mean, last year he lost to Seb, Seb Korda. I don't know how. I don't really read anything into that. I think he'll be okay for Alcaraz and for Sinner, who are still so early on in their careers. It surprises me that they haven't played a tour or a United Cup type event if, if it's available to them that, that, that there's something that they could have played and uh, yeah I am surprised but that said I still expect them to go through the draw and uh, and end up in the semi-finals both of them mm. to face so so you expect Medvedev to beat Runa in the quarters would love to see well that. I didn't say that 
I said that I said I expect Sinner and Alcaraz and Djokovic. I mean, look, I haven't done my final predictions yet because we haven't done the. But that's that's how I'm leaning. I don't. I, don't, I mean, look, it's no great shakes, is it? it? They're the they're the top seeded players. They're the ones who are informed. They're the ones everybody expects. But I, I don't look down here. I do think Zverev is a threat if Alcaraz isn't at his best. Um, but if Alcaraz is at his best, he wins. Artifice, potential third-round opponent for Runa. Yeah, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I, I, th- I find Runa fascinating, really, coming into this draw, just to see where he is. You know, a year ago we were fascinated by him, and I felt a bit underwhelmed. He lost that match to Andre Rublev, didn't he, in the mm. end? And uh, I, I wasn't expecting that. I think I think we maybe expected a bit too much of him too soon, based on the win he had against Djokovic and the Paris run and all the rest of it. But now with Becker and uh, what's the chap's name? He's just signed up with Severin Luti. Severin Luti. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Severin. Uh, you know, I'm fascinated to see where he is because he's clearly so ravenous to to be the man. And for everybody messaging us on various platforms saying, oh, we're coming to Melbourne Park, we'd, we'd love to track you down, say hello if you can. You can find David at uh, Constant Lestien versus Alejandro <laughs> Davidovich Fakina yes. uh, on whatever day and time that match will be happening. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I can't that wait. That is going to be wild. Fun time. Yeah. Underarm serve, I reckon, at least one. Any other players or matches you would like to to draw draw attention (laughs) to from this men's draw? Uh, did we did we mention the, the, I was going the sad to, off? No, I was going to, but it made me. I just looked at the names; <laughs> and it made me so sad that we have mm. a Felix Auger team against Dominic Team first round. God, that should be so exciting! He's hanging it? on to a seeding, Felix, which is good going. Yeah, I, I guess a, the bars all time yeah. tour will do that. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to put myself at least. Like, it. At least one of them's going to win. Yeah. One of them is guaranteed a win. <laughs> That's a glasses off. I mean, it's Felix Fit. Will he play? That's TBC, isn't That's it? That's TBC. Yeah. Anyway, um, enough of that sadness. There's the glasses half empty version. <laughs> Felix doesn't play and team loses. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, look, I don't think it, it's one of those draws where there's a dun, 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 jaw drop, ooh-la-la moment, but I think it's set things up pretty nicely we love draw day. i mean the whole draw could have been cancelled and i'd still probably be on a high today saying it's all going to be great but um i think it really is all going to be great yeah uh we've got some extremely exciting plans coming up over the next well it's not even a fortnight anymore is it it's 15 days plus the build-up it's it's basically three weeks folks isn't it <laughs> yep. australian open now um some cards to mark for you for upcoming shows. First of all, for friends of the Tennis Podcast, you heard David mention the Guillaume Strabur documentary and I mentioned that Matt and I watched a couple of episodes of Series 2 of Breakpoint last night, which was released yesterday and we have been receiving a lot of messages about Breakpoint. Uh, there is a lot of chatter on social media about Breakpoint and the editorial decisions that the documentary makers have made in terms of which stories and which players to feature prominently and obviously in particular there I'm talking about Alexander Zverev who uh, look we haven't watched the episode yet um, 
if it weren't part of our jobs, I would probably swerve it for the sake of my mental health. But we are going to watch it uh, because we think it's important. And uh, we are going to produce a Friends show to talk about it, to talk about our impressions and thoughts. We're also going to cover the Ons Jabeur documentary in that. And I um, can't tell you exactly what they're going to be, but I imagine they're going to be many and strong, those opinions and thoughts just as uh, a lot of those being expressed online are just at the moment yeah because i mean just just if we take the the zverev episode in isolation as you've said none of us have watched it yet but i've read numerous reviews of it and it appears that one of the six episodes of breakpoint a 46 minute episode features exclusively really alexander zverev or at least centers on him and doesn't mention anywhere that he has currently an allegation of domestic abuse against him which he very much denies and is appealing against um, but which he has been charged for at this point in Germany and it doesn't mention that and I just well two things that I think one is is it really the right choice to be going to, to be featuring him at the moment when you could feature so many other people um, and secondly if you are going to feature him you just have to mention that that is an ongoing situation and that that charge has been made and that he is appealing it and that it is a thing not just pretending that it that it isn't because I mean there was one review I read from somebody who isn't involved in the tennis world and hasn't worked in sport and doesn't isn't following and isn't or even wasn't even aware of of the fact that that case was was a thing and those allegations had been made and just wrote about his uplifting comeback from injury and I'm afraid the new people that come into tennis that are trying to follow the sport and uh, and, and that the sport is trying to get interested in the sport only are getting that impression of him exclusively and and that isn't right that just isn't right mm. um and 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 i and i i'll 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 firm up my view of it when i see it but but that is what we understand it to be the case and i, I, I really am shocked by that mm. yeah we all are that's the headline we're all pretty shocked uh we all intend to watch that episode and watch all the episodes between us over the, the next couple of days plus the Ange Bird documentary and we're going to produce uh, a French show focusing on those over the next couple of days and also just the other bit of Zverev news was elected to the ATP player council elected it's all just absolutely bleak um, yeah it's, it's all pretty disheartening really it's the sort of stuff that makes you think does anyone actually no one cares does anyone actually care yeah um, am I living in the same world that everybody else is um, yeah thank goodness for you two and all of our all of our listeners and friends um, so that's going to be coming up in the next couple of days we also have new for 2024 four friends of the tennis podcast uh, a monthly column 
by Hannah Wilkes, who so many of you will be familiar with from her work on Twitter and moderating our YouTube live shows. Hannah has become an essential part of the tennis podcast team, and we're so lucky to have her. The first of her monthly columns is going to be out tomorrow, and it is going to be available for all listeners to the tennis podcast, not just friends of the podcast. It's a little bit of a tease. And honestly, uh, I, a tease for a tease, it's absolutely breathtaking. It's, it's, it's just a wonderful piece of work. I don't want to say anything more because I honestly don't think I can do it justice. But I, I messaged Hannah in the middle of the night the second I read her draft just because... I couldn't, my, my fingers were moving and I felt compelled. And uh, just a hint, it's about Grigor Dimitrov. And uh, that's going to be sensational. So the first of those is going to be out tomorrow. There will be a link to it in our newsletter. And then the remaining Hannah Wilkes columns for 2024 will be available exclusively for Friends of the Tennis Podcast. And of course, if you want to become a friend of the Tennis Podcast, the link to do that is in our show notes. It is coming up to your very last chance to take us on at predictions for the whole year or to snap up a guest editor position. So lots lots to play for in the friends game. And uh, last but not least on the laundry list of upcoming things is our live YouTube Media Day show. Don't worry, folks, it's our normal Media Day preview tennis podcast it is going to be available as a podcast as per usual but it is also going to be live and on demand on youtube and the timing for that is going to be melbourne time 8 a.m saturday morning that is da, 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 i've done the maths here <laughs> 9 p.m friday night uk time 4 p.m U.S. East Coast time and 1 p.m. U.S. West Coast time. I realise that's not every time zone covered, but I feel like I've given enough time zone pillars there that people can mm. hang, yeah. hang what they need to it's from just, them. It's just confusing, isn't it? Because it's different days. Yes. So it's 8 a.m. Saturday here, but those yes. times you said are Friday yes. in the States. Yeah. Why? Well, time zones are a wild, wild thing. Uh, so that is all coming up. Which leaves only for me to tell you about our Australian Open mascot. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you to Usher, who is owned by Katie Bullivant. Usher is a 13-year-old Labradoodle that Katie says they got when they lived in Boston. She says he may be getting on a bit and have lost a few teeth, but he still has a nifty turn of speed when he spots a squirrel. Squirrel? Um, he also loves sniffing out moles, as you can see from the picture. I would love to say that he'd be excited to bump into Billy Jean on Wimbledon Common, but as dog people, he would definitely much prefer Catherine. Oh, thank you, Katie. Uh, Katie says, I spent a very happy nine months in Melbourne before I went to uni in 1985, and my sister has lived in Melbourne for 25 years, so it's very fitting that Usher is the mascot for the Aussie Open. Usher will be featuring on our social media please uh, by the way do follow us on instagram and on twitter there's good stuff happening there folks uh, and usher will also be featuring in our newsletter welcome usher yeah my favorite of the two ushers that i <laughs> know in the world by quite a long and, shot and and uh, 
a returning mascot because Usher was an episode mascot last year. I feel like which, we didn't get we all love. of that backstory about Usher when he was a, an episode mascot. I feel like I know him more now, exactly, which is great. So welcome, Usher. Uh, thanks for coming along on this Australian Open journey. We, of course, have our mascots. David has Francis. Well, Francis. Matt's got Haida and Soma. Hello, yes. I'm trying to live up to two mascots, so my predictions are bad. (laughs) And I, in an extraordinary turn of events, have Darwin. Hello, Darwin. Welcome to the dark side. Billie Jean is once again sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Cross. Uh, Our top folks and executive producers are Greg, Chris, Jamie and Jeff. And Matt, we have shout-outs. Yes, although quite a bad thing has happened in that I've, I've had my phone resting on my, on my knee for the podcast and it's, it's overheated and, and shut down at, a, at an inopportune moment. But I do remember two of them. OK, we can do two. <laughs> do you remember the blurbs as well? Um, well, I know we have Chris Chu. Oh, hello, Chris. We know hello, Chris. Chris. We know Chris. Chris is from New Haven. Connecticut. Yes. Did we drive through New Haven? We did, you know. We did. Great we did. shout. Matt and I have now officially been to Connecticut. We went to that Dunkin' Donuts yeah. that didn't have a toilet. Or <laughs> did have a toilet, but definitely wouldn't let us we use it. We weren't allowed to use it. Matt had to talk me down from weeing in someone's front garden. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did the right thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chris, hope you enjoyed your show. <laughs> and our other shout-out is for Max Lane. Max is, this is stunning work Ma- from Matt. Right Max now. is in Gateshead, or Gateshead, as as my friends in in the north would say. And Max has been gifted the shout out from his mum Elise, who had her shout out last year. I remember Elise because we we wondered if Elise Corne was. Did we not go Elise Mertens? Well, was it Ali's or Ali's? It was, it was an E, I believe. It was E, so we would have gone Ali's Mertens. We'd have got to Mertens via yeah. Ali's corner. Yeah, OK. <laughs> um, Max, thank you very much. There must be Tennis Max's Eisenbud. Purcell. Ma- a sensation. A sensation. <laughs> Go on, Max. Max Mernie. Yes. Very good. Very Not, good. to my knowledge, ever a sensation. <laughs> he was briefly... Wasn't he... Um, he won. Was he new balls, please? He was. Yeah, yeah. In singles. <laughs> yes. And Max Eisenberg, a sensation in the agent world. <laughs> there you go. Max, we thank you very much. And Elise, of course, for, um, for, for gifting Max and us the shout-out. And, and a particular thank you and congratulations to Matt for doing shout-outs off the top of his head. What a way to start the Australian (laughs) Open 2024. It is going to be fun, folks. We have our Media Day show to come on Saturday, Australian time, Friday, uh, most other places, and, of course, available as a podcast whenever you want to listen to it. And then, of course, remember, we have the Sunday start this year here in Melbourne, so daily shows from Melbourne Park start from Sunday and run through for 15 days. It is so exciting. It is a joy to have your company. We'll speak to you very soon. 